0: The presenting sponsor for On Education is ClassCraft. We're excited to announce ClassCraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today. And it's completely free. To learn more about ClassCraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. I think we just lost a bunch of subscribers right when you said creation.
1: (laughs) Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today.
0: We will discuss the State of the Union, debate whether Comic Sans is the right font for dyslexic students, count down the top creative apps for the iPad, and our guest this week is educator and podcaster Dan Krainus.
1: You know, it's gonna be a podcast when discuss the state of the union, <laughs> man. Right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like that this podcast a, knows it's like this podcast knows me. That could be its own episode or a series <laughs> of episodes. Actually, you, you know what's hilarious about the podcast is that when the dude makes like like forms coherent sentences mm-hmm. and like actually doesn't like barf word salads out. That's okay. like the high bar, like just putting words together. Is and he's reading high, him is, off a teleprompter, too. Right. And, so. well, and the fact that he read them without screwing it up, it's just astounding <laughs> to me that, like, it's like, this is what a real president— Like, again, the narratives come out every time he does something that's like, seems even kind of sort of moderately normal. It's like, this is what a real president looks like. It's like, give me a friggin' break.
0: Yeah, it was I've just, that analogy of red meat— just throwing it out there to Ugh. wolves, and everybody's like eating it up, and they're so happy about it. So yeah, Anyways, we'll
1: come. We'll come back it's to that. It's, yeah, yeah, we'll come back. It is bad. <laughs> yeah. It is bad. And uh, thank God the primary season is happening because it's mm-hmm. like the real, the real conversation. Except are for Iowa. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah, we don't need well, to talk about be Iowa. This will be the last <laughs> Iowa caucus, that's for sure. Um, to, and so this is Monday the tenth. So uh, tomorrow is the New Hampshire primary, uh, which will be basically another, you know, either Bernie or Pete one two, and then hey, you know, don't count Amy out. Come on now.
2: Well, listen,
1: I'm an, I am, I'm on the record as being a fan of about 5 of these folks, 4 or 5 of these folks uh, and help. that any any one of help. them could be a great president. Um I mean, I'm you know, I'm going to support one until the primary's over, but I'm happy I would be I think that any one of like Amy, Sanders, Warren, Klobuchar, even Biden would make, and Buttigieg would make a decent, very, in fact, a very good president, the most progressive platform in U.S. history, no matter who it is. So. What about that really rich guy who's always on YouTube now? That's what my Steyer? kids told me. No. Uh,
0: what's his name? Oh, Bloomberg? Yeah. My kids were like, who's Bloomberg and why is he on my YouTube channel at
1: the time now? I'm like, because he bought Cause he billions of it. dollars of assets, he <laughs> unlimited <laughs> amounts of money. He's exactly imagine, the antithesis of Bernie Sanders, which imagine, is
0: hysterical. Imagine having so much money that just your pocket change yeah, is yeah, yeah. like enough to blast Ad the airwaves yeah. everywhere on everything and your name is out there I'm carpet the...
1: bombing New Hampshire It's pretty good with, ads too with with that Yeah
0: anyway that was our political <laughs> So there let's let's beginning. actually
1: let's actually talk about the state of the union sure. though too though um so so the crazy thing in the state of the union was you know it it if it wasn't clear already mm-hmm. by like who Trump nominated to be the secretary of education, if oh, yeah. it wasn't clear, like right from the beginning, which it pretty much was. Yeah. It was obviously clear by now at like at the state of the union. And I'll be honest, like if this doesn't raise like emergency sirens for the election, like if he gets a mandate for four more years, mm. this is totally what's going to happen. That the almost entirely entire privatization of education there is a plan for this Um, and they'll frame it as school choice but Mm -hmm. you know it's it's about a lot of other things and mostly (laughs) about rich people you know yes yeah tell tell us about what you think about this this is crazy.
0: at any time anyone mentions the phrase school choice we we all know All of us union people and especially teachers understand what that actually means, which basically means the uh, first, the starting of using vouchers, which have been proven to not work, and then eventually being able to fund uh, tax dollars towards uh, private schools. Uh, And it's the exact opposite of what we want as far as in a free society where we want those tax dollars to be as Distributed as best we can, which our model is not good right now. And we, everybody will admit to that. And we've talked about that on the show here where, uh, property taxes determine the amounts of money given to local schools. It's just a screwed up system. And so we need something better there, but better is not school choice. School choice will further segregate, uh, our students and our schools and, uh, the, the monies that are allowed to then be funneled to, towards these private schools and basically grow them, uh, at larger rates is, will, will effectively destroy public schools. You know, there will be basically so much money funneled away. We all understand that eventually there's a breaking point, which we've already talked about. There's not really that many dollars right now to kind of go around. You pull that much more, the schools, uh, eventually will just be really, uh, horrible places and you won't be able to keep teachers. Uh, and eventually it'll close down what is considered to be the public school. So it it may seem like a far-fetched step because this is just like one little thing. We're going to allow school choice first for, you know, our parents and this needs to happen. Uh, but we all know what that actually truly means. And, um, I immediately, as soon as it came out of his mouth, I went on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, "Gross!" Once I mean, what everything that he was saying, but immediately I was just like, "Ugh!" Here is yeah. that school choice uh, hot button there, and everybody was cheering for him. Uh, at least I was in the room. You know, the uh, that the Republicans were in there. Yeah. just like,
1: "Ugh!" Yes. Well, and and like, let's be clear. This is almost entirely about religion as well. Mm-hmm. The. A, a giant majority of private schools like that they're talking about anyways are are religious schools yes and it's about homeschooling which is also like a very christian thing sure um to do it could be it it, it, it this is and this is why ted cruz is like like this is ted cruz's thing which is this article that we'll put in the show notes like ted cruz doesn't do anything you know, without having like some weird, crazy long game in mind, mm. and like this is about religion for Ted Cruz for sure. So I mean, and I'm not disparaging on religion, I guess, <laughs> even though I kind of am a little. But like, it's definitely this is this is pulling money away from public schools in like massive amounts uh, that are desperately needed to fund um, private far right wing. Mm-hmm educational establishments that that alter the curriculum to, to you know, have more religion and religious-based ideas and ideology inside of it. Like, you know, hard, like creation, for example, t- teaching creation. We're like, going hardcore in the podcast oh, buddy, <laughs> I, I, I think Come I think, at me, please. I
0: think we just lost a bunch of subscribers right well, when you said creation.
1: <laughs> listen. <laughs> If we're if we're losing <laughs> subscribers because of that, you weren't our subscribers to begin with. Uh, um, but but I'd rather engage in the conversation yeah, than, I, than be afraid of it.
0: I agree with you, and I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, really, what it, 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 again? There was a reason why we wanted to create publicly funded schools. The the idea was that we would give everyone the opportunity to basically have an education, and with that education, to be able yeah. to go ahead. And achieve whatever they wanted to go ahead and achieve. That's like the vision in the United States.
1: 100%.
0: Is it actually what happens all the time? No, but we're working on it. You know, we're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a process. This would take us backwards, basically. And it would start funding those dollars away from those. And specifically, even more than the religion aspect, I think is an economic or a socioeconomic factor here. We're talking about white people that are rich. Or very yes. very wealthy people that can mm-hmm. send their kids to these specific schools that will end mm-hmm. up being amazing schools, well funded, and now even publicly funded to even make it that much better. Um, and it's it's just not for a public school uh, teacher. It's it's the uh, the opposite of what we actually believe in. So
1: education shouldn't be a for profit enterprise. No, no, not at all. Call me socialist. <laughs> You Do and Bernie, it. <laughs> right? <laughs> Call me socialist. It's cool. So in the in the in the most awesome segue of all time, mm-hmm. Comic Sans is the worst font ever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I actually, I there was a discussion on Twitter. Uh, it started actually with the Merrills, uh, which if you don't know who the Merrills are, it's this amazing couple who wrote this book, and yep. there they were on the podcast just a few weeks ago. um and there was this discussion, and it had to do with graphic design because he used to, the the uh, husband used to be what's his name Joe 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 used to be a graphic designer. You can tell the book is amazingly uh, the way that he create helped create it, uh, mm-hmm. his influence on that you can see it. And anyway, there was this conversation between one of my colleagues, Audrey, and Joe, about comic <laughs> comic sans and. She was, she hates Comic Sans and he said, well, at least one good thing about Comic Sans is that it's good and it's, there, there's research behind it being good for people with dyslexia. So then I just replied, I'm like, there's research behind it because I had never heard of the actual research. I've heard people say that, you know, it's kind of one of those educational things things that we perpetuate we say all kinds of things in education sometimes they just become fact things we believe yeah edu fact i don't mm-hmm. know if you want to call it that it's not really fact but it's edu fact so i was like i just wanted to know is this really research based or is it just something that we just say yeah. so my goodness i when i s- then posted it out there i just said is there research behind the connection between comic sans the font and dyslexia and basically where it says that it's an easier font for dyslexic students in our case you know so we're talking about students uh to be able to read and there was a discussion kind of back and forth all kinds of our things. man dave laid uh, in our, yeah dave blanchard who's amazing <laughs> and uh one of uh an amazing educator of, of Sp- a spanish teacher uh dory uh also was kind of kind of they were kind of going back and forth and really yeah. what it, what it ultimately made me think of though Mike is not even about comic sense or dyslexia it really made me think of this as as a profession where we are in an interesting place and you've talked about it i think in some of your speeches and some of your keynotes you we talk about kind of taking risks right as teachers okay. and those risks by I'm going to put a quote unquote risks. A lot of times aren't research based. They mm-hmm. they are anti trend, anti the establishment. Let's call it uh, anti what's always been done. Let's just let's say that. And a lot of times, again, there hasn't been a lot of research behind whatever it is that we're that we are doing. Sometimes there is, mm-hmm. and but sometimes there's not. And so it's an interesting thing as far as the teaching profession whether we should push for that risk taking action research, basically like learning, you see something work. So you're like, I'm going to continue to do that because it's working as far as for with my students. And then you spread the word, hey, this is working. This is this is fantastic. I'm going to show you how to do it. And I'm show you how what my results have been versus kind of some long game research-based practices mm-hmm. where we have, um, you know, multiple research studies done over a period of time. And, and then, uh, you know, Hattie's research, for example, where you say, this is the optimal zone of, of learning. And these are the practices that you should be focused on. And there's these two clashing things kind of going on at the same yeah. time. I, I And I was thinking about, does this happen also with like doctors you know, there's like the mm. research, the things that not. you know do. And then there's the action research. A doctor goes, I think this is going to work or I've seen this work with this thing. And it does happen. I think we do experimental drug treatments, to things because we have to kind of push the limits.
1: Well, you have to do a study to find out if it works, right? That's why. Yeah. That's the, the, you know what I thought about and we talked about mm. this with Angie Kaltoff at Impact, was that this is happening a lot with educational robotics now, Mm -hmm. where we've seen for years, probably the better part of a decade now, that that we've seen it. We have anecdotal evidence that robotics and coding in the classroom is beneficial, it's helpful, but it's time for some efficacy studies. It's time to actually put some research down. I think that there's a line, like, so listen, if... If if there was a company that was making tons of money developing comic sans literature for dyslexia, <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, "Okay, show me the receipts, friends. Like let me let me let me see the studies." Sure. Right? Um if it helps people anecdotally one at a time, one-offs, whatever, great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But if if, if someone was like like this is the answer and you can buy our pack for the low, low price of uh, $19.99, then I'd be like, okay, now it's time to show me. Yeah. Show me the information now. Yeah. And, and so we're seeing this with robotics now and I deal with at least three of the largest educational robotics companies in the world right now. And all three are clamoring For research, Mm. are saying if you know people, we will give people, researchers, educational universities, we will give them devices. Like, we will give you, we will ship you robots. If you use those robots to produce educational studies, to do a study, like peer reviewed journal articles about the efficacy of Mm. robots in the classroom, if that's what you're doing listen people like seriously if you're listening right now and that's what you're doing get into my DMs and let me know because I can connect you with these people to give you free robots because yeah. they're dying for them. Yeah. And this is exactly the same, I think. So I, it, it seemed like a couple people said, you know, Comic Sans is working. And some people were like, and Dave was like, you know, show me. And I like yeah. Dave for that. Yeah. That's why I sent you a text message this mm-hmm. morning. And I was like, I like the Dave just kind of goes. And that's, that's why we like Dave. And that's why Dave works with us because yeah. – he's our guy. Um, and it was great. Um, so, you know, I, if it works, it works. Yeah. I, I like the I, discussion and I yeah, like yeah, the sure. further
0: discussion of kind of where do we fit in between action research and then just research based practices and, and, and how do we play that as far as teachers and instructional coaches and administrators? Uh, so I, I think it's a, fir- a something we're going to, f- be discussing further with other different topics because there's so many different things out there. Like you just discussed the 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 concept of coding, the uh, robotics as far as in school. Uh, So I think it's awesome.
1: So global school play day was, was just the other day. Yes. Uh, I think our friend Mike Drezek talked about this on Mm -hmm. the podcast when he was on with us fairly recently um, and mentioned this. Um, This was a big deal, like hundreds of thousands of kids from 75 countries.
0: Yeah, it said uh, half a million ended up participating, and my second grade son was one of them. And I'm super happy, super, super pumped about his school actually not only participated, but the entire day he told me they got to play. And I'm like, that's crazy and awesome. I, yes. I am so happy. Uh, they are a school that's highly focused on academics. They tell you that right away when you go to parents, uh, the initial open houses that here's, we're in second grade. We've got a lot of things to do. We've got things, you know, basically we've got, we've got a lot of learning to do. And so I'm glad they, Took a step back and actually participated in this. And my son told me it was the best day of school ever. He's told me all of the different things that they he was able to play and play with his toys, play with other kids, go outside and play. Oh my goodness! I I love to hear that. We should do more of this kind of thing. Is it, it should it just be one day a year that we do this? Our our kids learn so much, and uh, you know all those social emotional learning skills that we talk about. You can have so many of those things happen in these types of situations where you're able to just play, especially unstructured.
1: Totally, okay. unstructured play is is huge. My wife's a kindergarten teacher, and this is this is like the building blocks of kindergarten uh, is 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 unstructured play. Um, I don't have the energy for this anymore. I'm pretty worn out with this conversation I, I know I'm sure that you've been following it. yeah, it's been ongoing most of the day. this conversation mm-hmm. about using games to teach tough subjects, yeah, in particular war it was a it was a good conversation yes. um I'm drained from it, um which that's how you know it's good. Um, I, I <laughs> you're laughing because it was totally like something that like, I feel like I was baited to, to like fight about <laughs> almost. Um, I, I we're going to link the thread mm-hmm. in the show notes and people can feel free to, to weigh in. Um, I, I ended up like tagging some people that cause mm-hmm. at some point I needed help <laughs> yes. in articulating some of this stuff because I'm definitely not, like there are people whose life's work is teaching tough stuff with games. Absolutely. And and I think that what my points were in this Twitter conversation were just making sure that those efforts aren't minimalized because I think that their work is incredible and a lot of other people think their work is incredible and it's research based and it's, it's, it's backed, it's peer reviewed even. Yes, it is. Um, so, so I think that, um, it was an interesting conversation. We'll link in the thread, but basically we we were just talking about whether it's right, sensitive, um, morally proper, I guess, to use games to teach things like war and genocide and the Holocaust, And slavery were the ones that were referenced, and we ended up talking about a couple of other, you know, tough subjects like rape and mental health and sickness. Um, So we got into a couple other different subjects, Um, and it's long. So like, follow that thread. We don't have the the time. We could be here all night, and I would definitely get angry at some point and, and break something um and and I think I'm done with it at this point but it was it was a really interesting conversation and it is definitely the type of conversations that we need to just continue to have whether yeah. we agree or not I was and thinking, that's what I appreciated about yeah, it the most i was
0: thinking that this could lead this will be the the beginning of a conversation and the question and maybe a whole discussion that we will have with Paul Darvasi and mm. some other guests that we know are people who are researchers out there that are doing this type of work and that their work has had a phenomenal impact on on the students that they actually teach and and then the results that they're getting from that and they kind of talk through that whole entire thing because it's a tough one basically do you use yes. games to teach tough things at school you know and so we could yeah. i think th- A a person like Paul, uh, Matthew Farber is another one, and I was just thinking about some others that have basically made it their life's work, as you described, to use these things. And it's not (laughs) – this is as tough as it gets as far as the topics. And then how do you use the games to frame these conversations and then basically kind of – Break it down and then be able to go ahead and and really dive deep into them with your students.
1: And we didn't even like scratch the surface of some of the other like Jay Collins who was using games to tackle um, equity Mm -hmm. and diversity in esports and gender yeah. Um, issues and Jean Leggett, who I a- ended up tagging at some point. I was dying for a window to tag her in the conversation. But Jean Leggett is the CEO of a of a of a company that designs digital narratives hmm. around tough subjects. It's yeah. literally what she does, and they do a very good job of it. Um, so I tagged her, and she weighed in, which was uh, so so great. Um, I mean, this is complicated and I don't mind having the conversation and I don't mind the disagreements, um, you know, so I was, I was glad we had it. When we come back, the bests this week, the must-have creative apps for your iPad. If you have ideas and want to take your creativity in the class to the next level, these will get you there. So stay with us.
0: On Education is brought to you by Fidgets. Fidgets are interactive USB sensors that bring your code to life. There's no soldering or wiring required. Simply plug in a fidget sensor, write code in your favorite language and watch your ideas come alive. Fidgets are used by thousands of STEM professionals globally and are now available for computer science students. Simply go to Bitly Fidgets on Education to get your introductory kit that includes a free sensor worth over $50. That's Bitly Fidgets on Education. Welcome back to On Education, and welcome to the best. Every week, Mike and I take you through a list of our top things, from books to games, from people to
1: ideas. We've all been there. You get fancy new iPads in your class, and you're like, what now? (laughs) So this week, we'll run down some of our top picks to boost your creativity in the class. This week, the must-have creative apps for your iPad. So let's get into it. Mm. So we got a list. We got seven some of them people haven't heard of probably uh in particular the last one uh, I I love all of these apps I think you love all of these apps these are pretty sweet this is a great list the first one on our list um the Adobe Spark app so this is actually like a series apps a uh, series of apps the the Spark Video Spark Posts and there's so much potential here mm. like I I can't get in you know if you wanted to make like almost like Instagram style story videos, but with your kids, this is great for that. Just making little, little videos where kids are talking or where you're talking and introducing things. You can, the the opportunities for all of these Spark apps are are pretty endless. So I think that these would be must have applications on a, on a new iPad for sure. And I think they're free, I'm almost positive that they're now, they're
0: they're now free. So just make sure you check your uh, agreements too. I don't know what, if they're 13 plus or if they're under 13. So make sure you check those things with your school districts as far as using those. They are phenomenal. I totally 100% agree with you. Uh, talking about phenomenal, my, the one that I was going to talk about was this app called Procreate. It's awesome. And Procreate is, it does cost money and I think it's like, seven or eight dollars somewhere in that range um and it is an amazing drawing app and the reason why i call it amazing is it really allows it makes you Beautiful. feel it makes Stunning. you feel yeah as a person who is not artistic like me as far as a, an amazing artist or anything it makes you feel like you actually can do stuff <laughs> some of the <laughs> stuff that you can create and do within it just blows your mind. So I, you know, I've shown some stuff that I've showed it to my kids or to my wife, whatever it might be. And they don't believe that I actually did it. And I'm like, no, let me show you. Like, there's all of these different tool sets. It is an all in one art kit let's call it and it's all Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so it does cost money uh you could produce all kinds of things of course this the images themselves the still images but you can even do these videos these timeline uh time lapse videos where it puts together your image all into you know like a 10 second clip those look amazing and beautiful to procreate uh for the ipad amazing especially if you have the ipad pencil that's what i would say Another great app for the iPad that I was thinking about, my kids actually just outside of this room, I was listening to them and they're using the iPad and the best, I think, free app that comes with an iPad, which is iMovie. It's and they're, right into it. Yeah, and they're using it to create these little movies that uh these little scary shows that they're going to show us, you know, like one minute clips. They put on these masks and my uh, oldest son, Writes a script out, and they kind of go through all of the process of basically movie making and then uh and then they show them to uh, you know myself and and my wife, and they 're just amazing and hilarious and super create you can do all kinds of stuff creatively and in class so many potential things you can go ahead and do. From the filming of the uh, little clip that you're going to do to the professional-looking editing to mm-hmm. producing it and pushing it out to YouTube or just to whatever might be your learning management system or whatever. So iMovie, it's hard to go wrong with that. It's super easy to use. Ugh, it's just awesome. And-
1: and they've recently updated, it, and now you can do like I think you can do green screen stuff, chroma mm-hmm. key on the iPad iMovie app, which you couldn't do. You couldn't do the that past. before. Uh, yeah, that's a huge so, update. I mean, now it now it's pretty full featured, which is mm. pretty awesome. Yes, it is. So listen, anyone <laughs> <laughs> like when you start here, this, with here it comes <laughs> anyone who's listened to this podcast uh, at least for a while would know of my love affair with explain everything. Uh, So it's on this list because I, you know, I have the ability to write things on this list. And (laughs) I'll tell you, though, for the for many, many, many years, Mm -hmm. many years, I said if there was if you could only if you're your desert island one app. It had to be explain everything. Yeah. I said that for a long time. I've been pretty consistent (laughs) with it. And. Uh, it's so it's on this list because you can do virtually anything with Explain Everything. Virtually anything. You can draw, you can make videos, you can make slide decks, you can do presentations, you can just write things, uh, you can record your audio, you can record voices, you could do Podcasting in theory mm-hmm. with Explain Everything because you can export just the audio. Yes, um, you can do so many things with Explain Everything. It is a fantastic app. Uh, it is not free, I don't think anymore. It's, it's, no, it there's but a it's cost, not super
0: expensive. Yeah,
1: but it is and for years it was the like de facto iPad app that you mm-hmm. had to have in education and i still think it kind of is there are other apps that do some of the things that explain everything does really well we're we're going to actually one of them is next but explain everything is still pretty close if not the king of the hill still way up there in terms of mm-hmm. its functionality in education
0: so the app that it's in a different take though, I would say. And a lot of people don't even know that it would even like flirt in the same playground as explain everything. Mm. And that is one of our favorite apps of all time. Doesn't matter if it's on an iPad or any device. Mm. And that's Flipgrid. Mm-hmm. And you're asking me, Glenn, why Flipgrid <laughs> as a creative thing? You, you know, you can record yourself and, and then you're obviously, uh, recording your vo- video and your audio, but The Flipgrid Shorts app that was added, and we've talked Mm -hmm. about this before on on the podcast, basically gives you the ability to do some of those things that you could only do on Explain Everything, which is basically those amazing features on the creative outlet side that Explain Everything has, which are the ability to be able to write on the screen while you're speaking, while you're being recorded, and kind of do all of these things simultaneously. Kind of a... Uh, student flipped video, student Mm -hmm. explains everything. And that's the reason why it's such a great name for an app, by the way, to explain everything, because it's not Mm -hmm. the teacher explaining everything. The best part of that app is that it's flipped and the student is being able to say, here's what I actually learned. And let me show you, not only just tell you, but let me show you by actually writing on the iPad itself and drawing things and manipulating objects or whatever it might be. Uh, same things you can actually do now uh as far as on Flipgrid especially with that new Shorts app. So, talk about amazing apps that come with your iPad that I think are underused, especially at yeah, school. Totally. At school
1: this one is
0: 100%. iMovie, I've seen it used quite often at schools. Yeah. But the one tool that I think people just they don't get it or mm-hmm. they don't know how to uh how to incorporate it in a variety of different ways because they see it as a musical kind of tool and it's garage band. Um, not only can you create music, professional sounding music and sure. me and you play instruments. So we actually understand that if you really break down garage band, I mean like really break it down to the elements of whatever it might be, you can literally do this. i uh, pick up my guitar back here and I could do the exact same things on this iPad that I could do on my guitar And that's incredible to me. It teaches kids about chord structures, uh, you know, different types of uh, rhythms, and then it allows a student to obviously to then create music of all kinds of genres or whatever it might be, and it's original music. Which is fantastic. But then Mm -hmm. I was thinking, I was like, not only, you know, we use GarageBand, especially when we're on set, on location at our different places, to be able to record our audio and have Mm -hmm. multi-track audio. And then I can go ahead in there and I can edit the audio and be able to do those kinds of things. Same thing that a teacher could do. They could record podcasts as far as their students, be able to produce it. So if you're ever like, how are we going to record this? Professionally, you can record it actually inside of GarageBand and make it sound amazing. Um, so it's heavily underused, I think underutilized, and it's free. And my goodness, what a powerful tool uh, as far as within the
1: iPads. 100%. So most of those you probably recognize and and know. Um, this last one, I wanted to throw one on here that maybe a bunch of people would learn about for the first time. Yeah. Incredibox is incredible. Mm, that's Incredibox. like their ad. I just, I just made their <laughs> ad for them. Um, please go play with Incredibox on an app. On there's a browser based version of it. It's basically. So, have you seen this before, Glenn? I have not. Actually, okay. I'm learning too. Okay, you ready? Yes. I'm going to explain it a little bit. Okay. Across your screen are five dudes. Okay. And they're all they're wearing no clothes for lack of better word, okay and when you when you dress them you Mm -hmm. click on little clothing options and when you dress them they make sounds okay and there's like a beat one that makes like different like sure okay kind of sounds right and there's there's one that'll do like do 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 do, 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 do. And, okay. but there's like different ones. But when you start like dressing them, all of them and all uh, a, a number of the other ones make other kind of types of sounds. Yeah. And when you start putting them all together, it makes this awesome like, like techno type track. Yeah. Yeah. Great loop. Yeah. And you can you can like undress as you take clothes off of them, like the the parts of the outfit, like the hat or the glasses. Like the one is sorry. I'm not saying they're naked. <laughs> I'm saying that they're, they're there's you're like one of them, on them where you're yeah, yeah accessories yeah. hats glasses yep. that kind of stuff coats on them and and that's what's changing the the type of sound that they're making. It's interesting. Um, and as you as you change them, you can change them kind of on the fly, mm-hmm. and it changes the song, mm. right? And then if you if you really get into it, which is what we did in class. You can like, you, you, there's a recording option, so you can record these and then download them and put them into whatever. We use them to make our games. We, nice. I had students using Incredibox to make music for their video games in Scratch. It's
0: perfect because they
1: would download the MP3 and then put it into Scratch, and now they've made a friggin' <laughs> soundtrack for their game That's that is like super awesome. Awesome using yeah. Incredibox, right? <laughs> but what what's so cool is when you hit record and then you start. Like, if you can processing your head the workflow of like what you would turn on and off at, the, at what times and at what beats and mm. and at what like bars you can make like this amazing arrangement of music with these but just by like removing the accessories from the characters it is awesome i i, I don't know if i it. did it justice but no, I, I hopefully i got people at least a little bit intrigued <laughs> that you're going to stop and you're going to like, go check mm, this out i better go
0: download that <laughs> so there are
1: there are believe i believe that they've divided this up into like not seasons but like years mm-hmm. of of production that they've been i think they're on like year six or seven that they've been out yeah and and like year one two and three are free and then like four five six and seven or whatever are like you have to pay to add them add on uh to an account and then i think when you Pay for an account, you get that downloading feature um, mm. uh, available to you. So
0: very cool. You
1: just want to go on and like make music and have fun with it. Like show your kids this. Your okay. kids, I'm like, going this to. Is, your kids, i got a jam. Love this. Oh okay. yeah, it's awesome. I'll so report in Firefox, I'll report um, back. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's incredibly underrated as a as a as a cool music tool. And if you get an account with them or whatever. Um, it's It's definitely got some great applications for, for, for creativity, for adding music to things and it being your own music. So incredible box. Awesome. So you can always come back to this segment of the best by checking out our blog at
0: oneducationpodcast.com or watching it on YouTube. Just search for on Education and check out the playlist. Want to support on Education? Check out our Patreon site at
1: patreon.com/ oneducationpod. When we come back, we'll be speaking to the host of the Leader of Learning podcast, Dan Krinus. So stay with us. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest this week is an instructional coach in Connecticut and the host of the Leader of Learning podcast, which is now on the On Podcast Media Network. Dan Krinus, welcome to On Education, my friend.
2: Man, thank you guys so much for having me. It's quite the honor and, and I'm I'm really pleased to be joining you guys on the new uh, the new network. So yeah, it's exciting stuff.
1: Exciting times. Um before we get started, why don't you introduce yourself? I've told everyone your name, but let's talk a little bit about more you more about who you are, what you do, a little bit about you.
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, so uh, as you mentioned, I'm an instructional coach in Connecticut. Um, just actually started at a new district this year. I've bounced around a little bit in some leadership positions between Connecticut. Last year, I was an administrator in New York for most of the year. Before that, I was an instructional coach at a different district in Connecticut. And, um, you know, really, I, I think over the, over the past several years, uh, devoted more of myself professionally speaking to, uh, understanding what it really means to be an instructional leader and, and a leader in education. And, and, um, you know, that really means like a leader regardless of what role you have or what title you have. Um, it, it, uh, it led me to going back to school and and getting a doctorate. Well, I haven't gotten it yet. I'm several weeks away at this point, but I've, I've gotten pretty close. The dissertation is basically done. My research Amazing. is done and yeah, thanks. So, uh, it, it's been really, really cool to, um, really live, what I you know, practice, what I preach and be a true lifelong learner.
0: Dan, I wasn't even going to ask you this, but now I have to follow up with the doctorate's question. How difficult is it to do while obviously a family, you're running a podcast, you're an instructional coach like I am. I mean, how did you manage all of this all at once? For those of us that are, you know, maybe thinking about it, I'm not really, but you know, there's always that kind of thought in the back of your head. I
2: I don't even know. Um, Somehow, I have mastered time management, Mm -hmm. and and it's very difficult for me to even explain how. But I think the best way that that I can think to try and explain it is is, um, and I'm going to shout out my friend Brian Costello, uh, another podcaster and edge match author. So Brian, I've heard him say this several times before where he always talks about how, um, the term work life balance, like shouldn't even exist because it's not really a balance, you know, let's face it. Sometimes things have to sacrifice. And, you know, if you are talking about balance, like one side of the scale gets tipped, you know, more than others, and then you got to tip it back the other way. And so I think I, I got as good as I could at, um, Knowing what and when things needed to be sacrificed.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah.
2: And when they didn't. And, uh, sometimes, unfortunately, that meant my family. Um, I, you know, I'm going to shout out my wife, Christine, who's been an amazing support and, and mm-hmm. my kids, my, my extended family, like mm-hmm. they knew how difficult it was going to be. And so there were times when, uh, you know, I just needed to hunker down and do my work. And then there were other times where I kind of needed a break from my work and I spent more time with my family. So just kind of mm-hmm. like compartmentalize everything
1: there are seasons for everything right like i mean you you gotta and you gotta understand like and actually i'm in i'm in one of those seasons now where it's like it's time to go like i'm working my butt i'm working probably 70 60 70 80 hours a week right now um but there's a purpose to that there's like you know there's goals and there's end game in mind and there's lots going on and i mean people um, have it,
2: people have joked with me like well, you're not even going to know what to do with yourself when this is right. all over and I'm, i feel like in some ways i'm already <laughs> sensing that because like i said the writing is is really done uh and outside of just a couple of tweaks and edits um really all that's standing in my way now uh, of earning the degree is defending the dissertation. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just about done, and, and I can't believe it. It's really surreal, but uh, I'm sure I'll find ways to keep busy after. <laughs> I'm,
0: sure, I'm sure you will, bro. Um, so let's talk about Leader of Learning Podcast. Maybe give us a how did it start, and then can you describe it for those of us, those listeners that are listening right now that haven't had a chance to listen to it? So that they get an opportunity to go ahead and subscribe to your ch- uh, your podcast, also.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, and you know, I, I think I started I, actually after I had already gone back to school for my doctorate, and so I, I learned. I'm a good writer. I, I wouldn't have been able to write a dissertation if I wasn't. But um, I just I, I wanted to start putting out content. I think definitely when I became more. Um, experienced as an instructional coach and I started, you know, kind of making that impact on adult learning, I was like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I wanted to, I guess, make a, an even bigger impact than just the staff that I was working at uh, in my own school building. And so um, I started to get connected and in 2017, it was an amazing year all around for me in terms of being a connected educator and, and making that larger impact um, right around the ISTE conference, which was my first ISTE that I attended in San Antonio that year, uh, I was also named as an ASCD emerging leader. And right around that same time, I had just kind of dabbled in the idea of putting out a podcast and I launched episode zero or like the pilot episode, uh, I think in May of 2017. And I guess as I got more uh, confidence and, and credibility, uh, in terms of, of getting out there and connecting more with those opportunities that I just mentioned, ASCD and, uh, and, and ISTE and everything. Um, I was like, yeah, I mean, the podcast is, is created. And in September, early September 2017, uh, it came out with the first episode, which featured Dr. Sarah Thomas from Edgy Match. Great. She's and, great and, guest. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I just knew, you know, she, and and match have meant so much to me in terms of becoming connected and i just really think that so much of what i've been able to do over the past three or four years i owe to edumatch and uh I just, it was like a no brainer to get Sarah on as my first guest. And, um, you know, ever since that first episode, I've really touted the show as the place where educators can come to find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. And at the end of every episode, I say that no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning. And so, like I said, it's, it's about bringing people on and featuring guests and talking about topics that are leadership, but not like, I'm not bringing on administrators every time. And I'm not talking about leadership practices every time. We're talking about real things that people are doing in their schools and out there in education land or or Twitterverse that are really making an impact. And, And it is transformational leadership at its finest, even though people may not be in quote unquote leadership positions.
1: Nice. And okay. so you have a you're working on your doctorate. You have a young family. You have a job. And then you decided to start a podcast. So there must be something. The, I think about it a lot because I'm, I'm immersed in it now, but the power of podcasts. There's got to be something that drew you to the medium itself that you thought, okay, I'm doing all of this other stuff that is taking up incredible amounts of my energy and time and emotion and 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 bandwidth, but I'm still going to do this because I think that this is important. So what is it about podcasting that that drew you there and you know talk a bit about the power of podcasting for you, I guess.
2: Yeah. Um I think it's two things more than anything that uh, you know, keep me keep me going, keep me doing it, even though life gets tough and things get busy. But um first I I was actually in college. I went to a major uh Division one sports college uh the University of Connecticut and uh they have Arguably one of the best basketball programs around especially the women's basketball team and and in college. I actually got on to, on the radio uh, Broadcasting yeah. sports and basketball games and I actually parlayed that into uh, Not only a an undergraduate degree in journalism or broadcast journalism, but I actually started out uh, a short-lived albeit short-lived career in uh, radio sports radio production for mm-hmm. ABC sports radio and um, I don't know I guess once I got back into education and, and I started really getting on this kick about, um, you know, personalized learning and, and in our case, as the educators, personalized professional development. And I started listening to podcasts. And I guess between my passion for that adult learning aspect and personalized learning combined with my interest in and limited experience in radio, I was like, this is, this is a perfect medium for me. Mm-hmm. Plus again, Writing a dissertation, I was doing plenty of writing. I didn't really feel like uh, blogging was was really the way to go. So for me, the the spoken word and that radio broadcasting aspect was perfect.
0: So you've had many guests on the show, uh, including, you know, George Kuros and it's just Sarah Thomas is another one, and all of these. Amazing edu type of personalities and leaders, uh, obviously, that fit perfectly with your podcast. But I was thinking about and Mike and I have had these discussions, who would be and it doesn't have to be someone in education, it can be someone outside of education, but be a person that you would really want to sit down and actually interview, uh, whether it be face to face or even like, in like what we're doing right now.
2: While I'm thinking about that, I'm going to mention a couple of of people who I have gotten to talk to um, on the show, whether they're educators or not, that I've really enjoyed. Um, I read a a really impactful book uh, called Lead from the Heart by a guy named Mark, Mark C. Crowley, uh, and, and the book meant a lot to me. And even though he's not in education, it was great to talk to him. And that was really early on. I think episode six or seven of the podcast. And so uh, I'd actually like to get to talk to him again now, like three years later, uh, just Very to cool. kind of see how far we've come. Um, one of the, Best conversations I've had is actually for an episode that's not even quite out yet. It'll be out in another week or two mm. with Dr. Tony Sinanis, who, um, you know, connected educators will probably know he's an assistant superintendent, not too far from me at a district in New York. And, uh, just a really, really great conversation there. Um, I think that I would have to say as a sports fan, um, I, I would like to talk to a sports personality, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna like reach for the stars here, just yeah. because you you <laughs> threw out, <laughs> out as like well. a completely hypothetical yeah. question, and I'm not even like a, a big basketball fan, but I think I would want to interview Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah. Neat. I think Interesting. That's, what that would, you would be talk to Michael Jordan about, uh,
2: you know, I think because I'm so into transformational leadership and, and transforming education, I would, I would really want to pick his brain about how he did that in the NBA. And, uh-huh. um, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, but in my opinion, uh, he really did change the game. And, you know, I was, A child of the eighties and nineties. And so watching him play, that was like the thing to do. I remember I even, I don't know how old I was, maybe like 10 years old. I tried to send him a letter one time and I got something back in the mail. It wasn't really for him, but it was, you know, some kind of form letter with like a fake autograph on a picture or something. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I tried. Yeah. You know,
1: we've, uh, we've, we've tried to get some of the primary candidates, the Democratic primary candidates on the podcast and we came really close to getting Pete Buttigieg on before he blew up, um, mm. like, about a year ago. Uh, and then it's never – now it's like there's no chance now, uh, yeah. unfortunately. Um, Especially and,
2: lately. I feel like he's picking up steam like crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. He so could it's be been, the president. It, it's, it's been tough. we very possible. We've actually also tried to get Amy Klobuchar because Glenn's from, from Minnesota, and we're trying to, you know – Pull that card, but uh, it's Tyler not working. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she also she,
2: she also did well for herself last yes. debate. So. Yeah, yes. she's getting she's, a bit of a bump amazing. too. So
1: yes. we've tried. Those are those are kind of. I I mean, it's too late in the primary. Did you to hear what
2: a, I think it was? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it was Elizabeth Warren said the other day. Like I do have a hundred day plan for my first hundred days in office, but within the first hundred seconds, Betsy way, DeVos is yeah. out yeah I thought that was hilarious. That
0: was, that was fantastic, <laughs> man,
1: oh man that was klobuchar I think said that
2: I think you was I think it? you might be right, I think yeah. you might be right,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. I think they all agree on that though yeah, probably of course, that's, of course. You know, yeah one that was a great things. that was a great line them and millions and millions of educators across the country <laughs> <Right, right. laughs> they're that's, like that's, that's when you know the incompetence has <laughs> has has um, ran its course, I guess when everyone agrees on that, so you uh, enjoy editing. You've talked about that. You said, I thought you were, a, a, you know, you, you enjoy the process of making a podcast. You're pretty passionate about it. You've been doing it for three years now. So you've had some time to think about this. We're in a group actually together on Voxer where it's like weedsy podcasting and discussions, which is kind of interesting as well. So talk about, let's talk about the anatomy of a good podcast, a good education podcast. What do you think? Like, I I know what we're trying to do. At least, you know, I might have a hard time verbalizing it all the time. But what are your goals? Like, when you sit down to talk to someone, like, we're sitting down to talk to you. What are your goals for that those conversations? What are you trying to get out of people? What and what do you want people who are listening to get from the Leader of Learning podcast when you when you have these conversations with folks?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um first of all, I I do although I do bring on uh, guests and I run an interview show, I try to make it a little bit less about just featuring each guest and more about um, really trying to pull out one or two ideas that they can impart upon the audience, especially when, like I said, it, it comes to transformational leadership. Uh, because transform- transformational leadership isn't something that uh, has to be where Uh, An administrator or some leader comes into a school and completely, you know, flips it upside down. Mm. It it can be those little things that are being done uh, instructionally or technologically or in terms of building relationships with students or social emotional learning. There's so many things that. Educators are doing out there to to change the game uh, change the culture change the climate and, and that's really what I try to get to uh, Last spring. I actually w- was pretty proud of a, a little three-part mini series that I did on social emotional learning and I I brought on some really great guests like Brian Kulak and Crystal um, lay and Elizabeth Merce who has the hashtag ditch the clips and, and we talked about basically uh, student discipline and and how to um not walk on eggshells, but, you know, how to really bring in the emotional aspect of dealing with students and even dealing with student misbehavior. And uh, like I said, just try and leave people with some inspiration and ideas to, you know, to to maybe implement tomorrow, next week, next month that that can really start changing the game, uh, you know, for their students, their classrooms, or, or maybe their school or district.
1: So we leave everyone with this last doozy of a question. What are, what are three pieces of media? They could be video, music, books, articles, whatever. Three pieces of media that have influenced your thinking and your work.
2: Wow, it's a good question. All right. Uh, I'm going to go first to video and I'm going to go with and, and it's obviously kind of cliche maybe at this point. It's so popular. The Simon Sinek start with why or the Golden Circle TED Talk. Uh, you know, I don't even know how many millions of times it's been viewed at this point, but uh, that really resonated with me. Um, and, and obviously ever since then, I always think about my why. And you guys have even asked me about my why, you know, why do I podcast and why do I keep podcasting? Even though I got so many things going on. So, um, I keep that one in mind all the time. I've already thrown out a book, uh, I mentioned already lead from the heart, but I'm also going to throw out, uh, the, the coaching habit, which I, uh, read or listened to. I think I listened to it on, on audiobook. Um, Couple months ago and as an instructional coach and, and someone who's into leadership, it it really taught me how to listen to people and, and ask more questions and basically shut my own mouth sometimes, which, which I really like have learned to do, uh, you know, when interviewing people on the podcast as well, if I really want to hear from them and hear their story. Uh, so that's, I guess, too. I got a video in there. I got a book and, um, I would say a podcast, but there, there are really so many that I listen to. Um, you know, what? I, I, all right. I'll say a podcast just because it was one of the first ones I got into. And, and I would say, uh, safely say that it inspired me to start podcasting. And that is Better Leaders, Better Schools by Danny Bauer. I was fortunate enough to be a guest on his show. He's been a guest on my show twice. And, uh, you know, that one's a lot about leadership as well. So uh, I learned a lot from the podcast and I learned a lot about podcasting from listening to that show
0: that's amazing so Dan, how do people learn more about you and connect with you, let's say, on social media?
2: Yeah, well, even before social media, I would say yeah. subscribe to Leader of Learning Podcast. Of uh, but definitely to find out more information about the podcast and about me, it's uh, it's really easy. Leaderoflearning.com has all the information about the podcast, past episodes, everything you would want to find, even our social media. So, leaderoflearning.com.
1: Dan Krinas, thanks so much.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. Want to support On Education? Visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash oneducation there you can get access to full videos of the podcast and so much more if you're enjoying the show and think others would too we would be thrilled if you shared it with them please leave us a rating or a review in apple podcast or the google play store when you leave a rating it gives our rankings a boost it helps others discover the show we want to thank our presenting sponsor classcraft for supporting us check out classcraft.com slash on education to learn more about them Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.